are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering online. Please go to www.hopechurchguildford.com for more details. We look forward to getting to know you. Great. Um, thanks so much, Phil. And uh, thank you. Um, good morning and uh, welcome to Hope Church. Let me um, add my welcome to you along with Phil's. Um, I, I really do hope that you feel connected and welcome to us. I'm Chris and, and I get the joy of, of leading Hope Church. And it's, it's really been quite a, a week, hasn't it, uh, for all of us as we start the, the new year with all the fresh hope of life returning to, to normal. It's kind of swept away in quite a remarkable way, really. You know, I, I thought it's just worth acknowledging that for, for lots of us, for many people, life kind of sucks a little bit right now. Uh, you know, January and February are a bit depressive months as it is anyway. And, you know, to be honest, you've got Christmas has gone. Uh, the weather's still cold and dreary and... Um, I thought I would just start off by just acknowledging that for a lot of people, uh, this has not really been the best of, of weeks or, or seasons right now. On top of that, uh, I have a bit more sad news to share. Um, as a church, every summer, we love to go camping together, along with, I guess, thousands of, of others um, for our summer festival called Connect Festival. But unfortunately, it's been announced this week that this has needed to be postponed to summer 2022. Uh, like many summer events, uh, these decisions have to be taken early. Uh, and I guess the safety of all the delegates is a top priority, uh, as well as logistics and so on. So commission, the commission leadership team, they've had to make a tough call, which we trust and, and of course we respect. And um, I guess we're really looking forward to that moment in 2022 summer, hopefully when we can uh, be together for that festival. But it, it doesn't stop there. And it will be no surprise to you that uh, with schools shutting this week and the nation going into another lockdown, although churches are allowed to meet, unfortunately, the Royal Grammar School are closed. And so our plans for the 24th of January uh, will need to be postponed as well to a time in the future when schools return to opening and the virus infection rates have reduced. Uh, you know, we need to make sure that everyone's, uh, that if we do meet again, that it's safe for everyone. And, and of course, that we're, we're allowed to be in the school. So, uh, Happy New Year. Hey, that's uh, a little bit of how life is at the moment for many of us as we are kind of huddled in our homes. And and yet, you know, it's not the first time that this has happened. And uh, you'll hear a bit later on, actually, as we talk about communion and, and its roots and where it comes from, that uh, some that where it comes from came out of a similar situation. There is some good news, though, and that is that we're going to continue um, our mission series. So on the 24th of January, as planned, Guy and Heather Miller will be with us. And also, it'd be great to let you know that on the 31st of January, for our third Mission Sunday, we're going to have Andy McCulloch with us. And um, Andy's just an excellent speaker. Some of you might have heard him on, on big stages in the past. He's, he's written a couple of books, which are excellent. And he has been someone who has taken his whole family out to the Middle East in the past. And he's gonna share about that experience and encourage us um, for what we're getting ready to embark on over these next few months. 
And so it's just great, isn't it, being together with, uh, you know, linked to lots of other churches through Commission, through Catalyst, which Andy is a part of. And uh, it's great that we can uh, connect with the wider network of churches and Christians today. Now, if you're new to Christianity, um, then perhaps you've been to a church and, you know, it can feel like walking into a parallel universe sometimes. I remember as a young adult going to a traditional church service and it was a bit strange, to be honest. I mean, the men wore dresses and they held a big stick and someone else swung a rope with incense and these kind of fumes coming out and people bowed their heads a lot and they shut their eyes and and there was this kind of wafer bit of bread and wine which they told me was kind of was Jesus's body and his actual blood and that that's what I was meant to drink and uh, people seemed to telepathically know when to stand and when to sit and they would know certain words and sometimes the kind of the leader would say something and then they'd all chant something back and walking into that environment I felt completely out of place and a little bit lost, to be honest. You might have felt the same. And over the years, you know, all churches, including our own, can build up certain traditions and, and practices, which, to be honest, are not always found in the Bible or instituted by Jesus. In fact, unfortunately, some traditions and practices have led to many disagreements and conflicts over the years. And, you know, we shouldn't be surprised because when we read Corinthians, they also had been messing up things like communion. In fact, it was so badly done that some people were coming and they were eating all the food while others were going hungry. Uh, others were drinking so much wine that they were getting absolutely hammered. You know, some people were cording and off parts of the church and having private dinner parties separating the rich from the poor I mean they just got it so badly wrong but to be honest with you it's not been done much better over the years and over the centuries as people have disagreed and not really understood what it should be uh, there's like about eight or nine different names for it just for a start so Paul writes in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11 uh, about communion and how we should do it. In fact, we went through the whole book of 1 Corinthians back in 2018. And you can catch up uh, on those podcasts if you want to. I think it was a great series as we looked at what does church as God intended uh, look like. So it is important for us to talk about the two sacraments that we most clearly see given by Jesus. Uh, it's important so that we prioritise them as a church and that we, uh, I guess, have fresh perspective in, in our own lives for them because we don't want them to become a dead ritual thing. And so this mini series, we've called it Saints and Sacraments. And today we're going to talk about communion and, as Phil mentioned, next week about baptism. Now, in Matthew 26... The, uh, Matthew is one of the Gospels which depict Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, and tell us about him. And Jesus says, uh, it says this in verse 26, while they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. And, and then he took a cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. 
this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for, it gives a reason, the forgiveness of sins. You know, the Gospels in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, they tell us all about the life of Jesus. And there is this moment that the night before that Jesus is about to die, which is this evening where he said those things, um, Jesus and his disciples, they're all together. They're celebrating something called Passover. Now, Passover was a Jewish celebration where they would celebrate how God had forgiven the Jews, spared them from death and, and given them freedom from the hands of the Egyptians. At this meal, Jesus took the, the Jewish celebration about God's forgiveness, his salvation and freedom, and then he predicted his own death. And he said, from now on, this Passover celebration is really about me. From now on, when you celebrate God's forgiveness of sin, you'll look at this event about to take place over the next 24 hours and it will give you hope. I mean, it's an amazing declaration that he's making there. So it's, it's good for us to, to be reminded of what really happened back in Egypt hundreds of years before and uh, what's celebrated today even by millions of Jews to see what was Jesus saying about himself? How does this ancient celebration um, map on to what, Jesus, what happened with Jesus and what hope and what significance does it bring to us today and why do we do it in the first place? So let's uh, let's talk about Passover, shall we? And I'm briefly going to just recap what happened. You see, the Old Testament, it tells the story of the nation of Israel and how God chose one nation on earth to be his people and through them to bless all the nations, which he was fulfilled in the person of Jesus. The first book of the Bible, Genesis, it ends with these Israelites, this people group, settling happily in the land of Egypt. And uh, the second book of the Bible, which is Exodus, it opens 400 years later. And the people of Israel have gone from being favoured in Egypt to actually being slaves of the pharaohs and, and being used in, in hard labour. The people cry out to God uh, to rescue them and, and God sends them a deliverer. He, he's a saviour, as, you, as you, you might say. And it comes in the form of a man named Moses. And that's where Exodus opens about the life of Moses. And Moses is, is sent by God to see Pharaoh and to ask him to release the people. And, and of course, Pharaoh refuses. Why, would, why wouldn't he? Because he's got two million people there serving him, helping to build all, all the pyramids and everything else that he, he might need and all sorts of other things. God responds by sending a plague on the land of Egypt. And uh, Pharaoh relents. The plague ceases but then he changes his mind all over again. And he says, no, you can't go. God then sends another plague. Uh, he relents and uh, the cycle repeats. In fact, it repeats 10 times. The plagues gradually get worse from rivers of blood to frogs and gnats to finally the 10th plague, which is the plague of death. After that final plague, Pharaoh relents and he lets the people go before changing his mind yet again and chasing the Israelites to the Red Sea. And you might know the rest of the story as the sea parts and they cross over on dry land before the sea then closes up again on the Egyptians that uh, were chasing them. Now, before that final plague of death, where the firstborn son of, of every mammal basically was going to be taken from humans and animals, 
God gave the Israelites instructions on how to protect themselves, find safety, forgiveness, and ultimately salvation. These instructions are, are really at the root of the Passover. The instructions were these, that they were, to, um, they were told to take a spotless lamb and then to slaughter it. They were then to eat the lamb, but before they ate it, to take some of the blood and, and put it on the top and on the sides of the door frames of their houses. If they did this, then they would be safe from the plague. When the destroying angel then comes, he would see the blood on the doorposts and he would pass over those houses where the blood was there. Hence the phrase, pass over. God then instructed the Israelites to commemorate this celebration every year. And so when we get to Matthew chapter 25, this is the meal that Jesus is eating with his disciples. And now he's given that meal a new meaning. That night, when you would have had many families, you would have had many families who huddled up and isolated. They would have been on their own, in their own separate houses, in their households. God brought amazing hope. And in our passage, Jesus was telling his disciples that we, he now brings that hope to the world. Jesus took the elements of the Passover meal and he gave them new meaning. The first element he took was the bread. And so, as we read earlier, he says, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat this. This is like my body. And uh, in 1 Corinthians, Paul um, describes, it says that he then adds on, do this in remembrance of me. He was saying that just like the innocent lamb's body was broken, so, so mine will be too. The, the second element he took was the wine. And he says, then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins, just like what was happening by God in that Passover. He, he was saying that, that just like the blood of the lamb that was on the doorpost, it saved all those that put their trust in it. So it will be for those who put their trust in, in me, in Jesus. Jesus took that old Passover celebration and he gave it this new meaning for us. He used it to speak of his own death and his own resurrection. And you know what? There is a significance here that we really need to grasp. In fact, I think there's, there's three quick things that we can grasp. And firstly is that if the blood was on the doorframe, then judgment would pass over the people in the house. Do you know what? It did not matter how good or bad the people in those houses were. It did not matter how many times they prayed, whether they prayed at all, or whether they were nice to people or, or did good things or bad things. You know, it didn't matter what background they were from. It didn't matter how religious they were. It didn't matter even if they doubted or had questions about whether this would actually work in the first place. All they needed was enough faith to take the steps that God had ordained to put to, to sacrifice the lamb and put the blood on the doorpost. If they did that, they were safe. What mattered was that they believed the word of God and pledged their lives to the blood of an innocent lamb slain in their place. And if the blood was seen, they escaped judgment and death. 
that's that's the first thing. It's good to point that out. The second thing is that in the Old Testament, they had temple um, sac- a, sac- a temple sacrificial system uh, that was operated and it was uh, conducted by priests. Yet on this evening, before all of that was brought in, each individual family they came together and they connected with God. There was no need for a priest in robes to conduct the meal. You know, by the time Jesus arrived on earth, the only people able to meet with God was the priest and, and no one else. In fact, the priest went into this special place um, called the Holy of Holies on one day a year. And that's where he would meet with God. And when Jesus died on the cross, the curtain that um, enveloped that Holy of Holies, it was torn in two. And do you know what? It, it shows us that when Jesus died, he was making a way for people, anyone to come back into God's presence, not just one person on one day of the year, but anyone. He was he was taking us back to that original Passover where people connected with God in their homes as a household, a family unit, knowing God and knowing each other. At the Last Supper, Jesus, again, was in one room with his disciples and he was telling them that he was making a way for anyone to know God. And the third thing I think is good to point out is that over the years, the Israelites would have faced many challenges and and the prospect of death even on numerous occasions. Yet every year they remembered that time when they were isolated in their homes by themselves and God brought salvation. They reminded themselves that whatever comes their way in life, that the everlasting true hope, true salvation and forgiveness comes from God. It came from their trust in the blood that covered their homes and their lives. You know, at the Passover meal, Jesus was saying that you might have many questions. You might have doubts. You you. You might have all sorts of different queries, but my body and my blood, they will be spilt for you. And all you need is enough faith to put your trust in me and follow me. And when you do, you come to, to me and you know me and, and throughout the years, throughout the many challenges that you might face, you can have a settled peace that whatever comes your way, that, your, that true peace, true forgiveness of sin and everlasting salvation will come to you from God. And that you can know that in your life and in your heart and deep down in your spirit. And it will give you peace. Jesus was saying that he is our Passover lamb. He was slain for us. We've all done things wrong and we all deserve judgment from God. You know, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death and we've all sinned. And the truth is that forgiveness from God is not found in in doing good things or being nice people or or trying to appease a far off God. No, forgiveness is found in the blood of an innocent lamb that is slain in our place. And that innocent lamb was, was Jesus. That's how he, he is described. And when Jesus died, he brought complete forgiveness for anyone who believes in him. His blood counts for us. His blood is applied to our lives. The judgment of sin and the punishment of death will pass over us. And you know what? We have many challenges. We, we face challenges today um, with, with the virus. We, we face Challenges with our health, with our work, with finances, with relationships, and we will do throughout the years to come. And you know what? As it stands, the statistics don't lie. 100% of people 
will die. Each of us will die. And we don't know when. We don't know when that hour will come. It will come. And yet, even in, even in that moment, we can know an amazing, all-surpassing peace. And you know what? You can say, well, I can't see the blood. But you know what? It doesn't matter. It's God who needs to be able to see the blood. And you can say, oh, but there is so much wrong with, with my life. But that's not the point, because the blood of Jesus brings you forgiveness and freedom. And you can say, but I, I don't feel forgiven. But that's still not the point, because if you put your faith in Jesus, then the Bible says that his blood is applied to your life and you are forgiven by God. God sees like Jesus and his death, his resurrection and his life, his holiness. And when he sees you, he sees that when you put your trust in him. Just like um, when he passed over those houses, when he saw the blood of the innocent lamb, he saw innocent and not guilty. So he didn't judge them. And those people's uh, sons weren't killed. He sees Jesus in you. He sees you as clean, holy and forgiven. And judgment will pass over you because of Jesus in your life. And lots of many verses across the Bible just back this up. Here's a couple. 1 Peter 3 verse 18 says, For Christ died for sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. Why? To bring you to God. Romans 6 verse 23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 2 Corinthians 5 says he made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. And lastly, John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him might not perish but have everlasting life. You know, whenever we take communion together, we remember that God is just amazing, that even in the hardest times, he is with us and we can know his presence. You know, even when we can't go to church physically, even when we can't hang out with all our friends, even when we can't stand and sing together and worship, you know, what? Well, even right now, you can know his presence through the power of his Holy Spirit in your home right now, just like they did thousands and thousands of years ago when they celebrated that very first Passover, just like the disciples did when Jesus was with them and he spoke to them, just like they did, you know, our children, where they're talking about Pentecost and how God's Holy Spirit descended on, on them and they knew him. Do you know what? Just like all these times, we can know God's presence in our lives today and in our homes. And you know what? It's for anyone. Anyone can come. The way is open. All it takes is you putting your trust in Jesus, having enough faith to take that step. And it's a wonderful thing to celebrate. And you know what? If you are a believer, then commu the communion meal is for you. And it's one that we should cherish and enjoy and rejoice in and, and celebrate with and take time over. And as a church, we, we need to give ourselves to doing this regularly. Because we do it to proclaim Jesus' death until he comes. We, we do it out of obedience. We do it as a way of meeting with God again. And, and I believe that it is a means of God's grace and his mercy and blessing to us. It's something that Jesus encouraged us to do. To, to every time we eat the bread and the wine, to do it in remembrance of him. You know, in a moment, it's going to be good to pray and, and to take communion together. And as we do... Just like those Israelites were in their homes many years ago, 
they had just two connections. Those connections were with God and with one another. And much that's much like us today. And you know what? Um, as Paul describes communion, he, he, he first of all, he encourages it for us to, to do it, to remember it, to, to celebrate, as we've been speaking about. He also, though, encourages us to think about those two connections. And so as we take communion, it's just worth taking a moment to consider your relationship with God. Let's start with that connection. You know, is there some big unconfessed or unrepented sin in your life that you're conscious of? You know, if so, you can confess it now. You can repent and say sorry and God will forgive you. You don't need a priest to do that on your behalf. You don't need confession. No, actually, what you can do is you can speak to God right where you are right now. Might be worth asking, is there anyone you need to forgive? Um, you know, or, or is there anyone that you need to apologize to and be reconciled with? Because that can affect your connection with God and, and make a plan to do it. You know, maybe now or later. It might be worth asking yourself, am I trusting in Jesus for my peace, my salvation, my my sense of identity and who I am? Because that's that's all they had right at the beginning of the Passover. All they had was to trust in the in the innocent lamb that was slain on their doorpost. And do you know what? That's, That's really all we have. Every other security or sense of security we have is just an illusion, really. And, and I guess uh, this season has helped us to see that, that our, our kind of security was all illusionary, really. And if you are trusting in your own salvation or your own goodness, then it's maybe it's time to just recommit your life to Jesus and to say, no, actually, Jesus, I do know that it all comes from you and your goodness. And, you know, so as I repent, as I pray, I trust that you will fill me with your spirit and I can know your presence in my life. So it's good to connect with God. And you know what? Our recognition of our relationship with God will include a realization that we've all fallen short of his standards. And therefore, we sometimes need to connect with each other. And so when we take the bread, we are saying that his body was broken for me. And when we take the wine, we're saying his blood makes me clean and, and I'm under his new covenant. I'm forgiven and it's great. But when we do this, it rightly um, becomes important for us to to think about not just our relationship with God, but our relationship with one another. Otherwise, it just becomes a dead ritual. And so as we take communion, we should consider those relationships in our household and and perhaps those our friendships and our neighbourhoods and the people that we've interacted with. And so it's worth asking, is there anyone I need to say sorry to? It's worth asking and reflecting the love that Jesus has shown you to others. And so it's good to ask, am I showing that to others or am I showing anger and hatred and, I don't know, irritation? One final thing you might ask is, you know, do you need to just ask someone, hey, are we okay? Maybe your spouse or your children, your your neighbours, you know, is there tension somewhere? You just say, hey, are we okay? Well, it doesn't have to be right now, but maybe make a make a point of doing that so that next time it comes to taking communion, that is not still an issue that you're working through. You know, Jesus doesn't just transform our relationship with God, but he transforms our relationship with those around us and in our church. And as we celebrate communion, we celebrate our common unity with God through Jesus and our common unity with each other 
through Jesus. So let, we're going to take communion. We're going to celebrate that we're one with Christ and one with one another, that we're forgiven and that Jesus' body was broken and spilled for us. And so what I'm going to do is I'll read through 1 Corinthians, um, those words, and we'll, if now's the time then, if you've, if you've got some bread to, to go and grab that and, and some wine. And this is what uh, it says, the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, he took some bread, a bit like this, got some bread, got some bread. He took some bread and he broke it. And he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So why don't you just right now take a moment to uh, eat a bit of bread. And remember Jesus, what Jesus has done for us. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup. And um, he said, this, is, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you, you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So why don't we do that now as well? Let's, let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much that we have your, your Bible, your word, where we can look back and we can read about in the Gospels um, your life, your death, your resurrection, and also read about what you said and what you instituted. And I thank you, Lord God, that for that moment where you sat down with the disciples and, and you spoke to them at that Passover meal, uh, and all the kind of reflections of the significance that it had throughout the generations of your people, Lord, you, you gave it new meaning and new purpose. And so today, 2000 years later, Lord God, we remember you and we celebrate you and we thank you, Lord God, that um, that any of us can come into your presence and can know God the Father. We thank you that we don't we don't need a priest in our home to, to do this on our behalf. In fact, you are our great high priest and we can come to you, each and every one of us, wherever we are, and you can fit us with your spirit. So thank you for that, Lord God. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, that, you know, just as many different challenges and trials will come our way throughout the years, Lord, that it's this one thing that gives us everlasting hope, eternal security, it gives us our identity and our peace. And I, I pray for every, each and every one of us, Lord, whatever we're facing, however our weeks has been, whether it's been good weeks or bad weeks, I, I pray that right now in this moment, as we just connect with you, as we repent to you for those things we've done wrong, as we uh, talk to others and repent with our family of how we might have upset them this week lord i pray that you connect us all back together again thank you jesus that you are the thing that unify us thank you jesus you are our eternal peace our everlasting hope thank you jesus that no matter what comes our way we can know your your grace and your blessing in our lives and so we remember lord we remember and we take communion and we do that all across our homes uh, throughout um, everywhere that we we are living and we ask you lord god to to bless us and to be with us, to fill us with your spirit and help us to know you more. 
thank you so much for your goodness and your grace to us. Um, in your heavenly name, amen. Thanks for listening. We're meeting online every Sunday at 10 a.m. Head to hopechurchguildford.com for more information. We look forward to seeing you.